Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. We do. And the serums that we talk about and anything else that we talk about is always on our website, forever35podcast.com. We also have another podcast that we do daily weekdays called Here For You that we'll be doing as long as the global pandemic is raging. And we are executive producing another podcast called G Thanks Just Bought It. If you haven't listened to this show yet, I highly recommend the episode that Caroline did last week with Tom Everett Scott. With Tom Everett Scott. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing. It is iconic. I would call it iconic. Also, I really enjoyed his suggestions, his suggested products. Yes. Yes, he's just an all-around great dude. Um, what so, a charmer. Yeah. What mm-hmm. a charmer. Um Oh, and you know what, Dory? Uh people can call us. Yes. Did you know? Did you know that? It's 781-591-0390. And our email is forever35 podcast at gmail.com. And we really love to hear from you. So don't hesitate. Please reach really, out. Don't we hesitate love it. Anytime. Yep. Nope. Um, we need you. And and if you want to commune with other Forever 35 listeners, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Forever 35 podcast. And you can follow us on Instagram at Forever 35 podcast and on Twitter at Forever 35 pod. Dory. Yes, Kate. Hey, how are you doing over there this week? You know, I'm sitting at my new desk. Oh, well, hello. My new, I mean... It's a new desk for me, but it is our former dining room table. <laughs> so it's a bigger desk for you. It's a bigger desk. Um, 
we moved it to a different spot in the room. I believe I talked on this podcast about the new shelving unit that I got for my office. Oh, you did. Your IKEA shelving unit. Yes, my IKEA shelving unit. So it is sitting sort of in front of that unit, um, making a lovely backdrop for any Zoom calls that I might have to go on. (laughs) Which is what is most important right now. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Like I just, you know, I just, I look at everything and I just get happy. It feels super cozy and nice. I really, really like it. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy about it. Um, I also, can I, can I, say what else I'm doing in my office if I may. Just give us, give us the rundown. You are me, really, uh, you're really nesting. I am nesting. I, so because I'm using the dining room table, there are no drawers in this situation because it's a table, not a desk. So I ordered a small like file cabinet slash under desk drawer situation. Like it has one big drawer on the bottom. That's a file drawer. And then it has two drawers on top and it's white. And then the front of it is pale pink. Um, and it matches the trays on my desk. It's from uh, the brand Poppin. Perhaps you're familiar. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not familiar, but okay. Um, and at first I was like, "Mm, pink. Is that like, but I was like, you know what? I really like this pink. It looks really nice. It really pops. And I'm just going to go for it. I'm really just like leaning it, it, leaning into it being like my space. Like this is my zone. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. That sounds great. Good for you. I love that you have Thank a little you. spot that is all yeah. your own. Yeah. It just feels really nice. I got a couple of fake plants. Mm-hmm. I love a from, fake plant. From Target. They have a great selection of fake succulents. You know, I have some Target fake plants in my house. I have Ikea fake succulents. Um, mm-hmm. Also also a great spot for your fake plant needs. But yeah, yep, Target. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, and you know, fake plants are shockingly expensive. Yeah, they're not so cheap. No, like, have you ever tootalooted over to West Elm to see what their fake plants cost? I have not. Well, take that ride because should it I tootaloodle uh, over there? Tootaloot over to uh, westelm.com. It's a spare time today. <laughs> Just want to, I'm glad. I'm glad you you found that your needs were met at Target. Thank you. Thank you so much. I also, Kate. I also got a big whiteboard. Well, now we're talking. <laughs> For just like notes to yourself? Are you keeping a schedule? Yeah, notes to myself, schedules, maybe an inspirational quote or two. I don't know. Adori, you are really (laughs) leaning in here and I like it. You inspired me with your whole whiteboard situation. I was like, you know, I feel like that could really help me. Although, can I just say, do you find this also as a left-handed person writing yes. on whiteboards is very annoying? They're the worst. And I actually had to explain this to my left-handed child because my my older daughter is right-handed and she loves to update our whiteboards. And then my 7-year-old got in in the action and I was like, I have a life lesson for you as a left-handed person. <laughs> whiteboards suck and there's just no way around it so yes they they are annoying and i have had to kind of like learn how to write on them without where like my hand is raised and so my handwriting is much sloppier um but i don't know any other way to just kind of continuously like post information in my home i know same same so i've just sort of accepted it it's so annoying (laughs) if anyone can invent a whiteboard for left-handed people Hmm. That's basically like it can't exist. So that's the challenge. It's basically like a pen and paper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I had left-handed notebook. I mean, you can also just like turn a notebook upside down. But I had left-handed notebooks in middle and high school. Yeah, I did too. (sighs) The the plight of the left-handed. The plight of the lefty. Um, a couple things that I'm working on in my office, like tweaking. The table is like just too high. I think it's like an inch or two higher than my desk was. And my desk chair doesn't raise any more than it than I have it. And so I feel like I'm just like slightly off ergonomically. Is this, is this why you asked me for a link to my chair butt pillow? Yes. Yes, it uh-huh. was, Kate. Oh, uh-huh. 
I did not end up getting the one that you sent me. That's okay. That's, I mean, get whatever you want, but you are getting a butt pillow. You are committing to I, this life. A butt pillow has been ordered. And I'm not only am I getting a butt pillow, I'm also getting an under desk ergonomic footrest. Well, now this is intriguing. <laughs> because I realized if I raise my seat, then my legs will probably be too short. Like, I feel like everything is sort of like, it's a, it's a ripple effect, right? Like you raise your seat, your legs don't reach the floor. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. So I have to raise my seat, but now I also need something to rest my feet on. Hence the footrest. Now, will, like a, will, a regular the, stool is not. No, okay, I, I, okay. I got one recommended by the wire cutter. Okay. They have a whole thing on footrests. Oh my god. Um so yeah, I got this adjustable ergonomic blah blah blah. So I'll link to it. And hopefully all of my ergonomic issues will be solved. But other than that, I'm very happy with my cozy nook. Congratulations for creating a space that's all your own, Dory. Thank you so much. How are you doing? You know, I need to bring up something that makes me very uncomfortable. And that is feet. Mm -hmm. I need <laughs> I need to talk about feet. Dory, my feet are ravaged. They okay. are. I so I was getting gel pedicures on my toenails for probably years. Oh, like, wow. Okay. I'd get a gel pedicure. I'd leave it on for like three months. It would grow out ridiculously long and then I would get it redone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. in December, I got a regular pedicure with regular polish. And, and then since then, and then I painted my own nails like at the start of social distancing. So let's say six, five or six weeks ago. Okay. And finally, I removed the polish. And what, what I was left beholding was not... Not a pretty sight. My my toenails oh, no. appear to be in very bad shape. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Like I think I need to do some healing work on my toenails. Okay. Now I don't even know what I am describing. Like they have like little white, like maybe calcium marks, or I don't know if it's like little dent indentations. There's maybe a slight bit of yellowing, which makes me worried. Am I? Do I have a fungus? I I just. I have literally not looked at my toenails for years. And I just recently am like, well, I guess I'm going to use this time to heal my toenails. Yeah. I mean, so I typically get dark polish on my toenails, which like you're not really supposed to do. Yeah. Wait, um, why is that? I, I don't, I, I always do that too, but it's actually not good for it's your not, toenails. It's not good for your toenails, especially given how long I leave the polish on. What does it do? Okay, I just did I just did a little googling and Okay, yep, yep, yep. It's not a good idea to leave nail polish continuously on your toes all summer. Your nails are much more permeable than your skin. As a result, they can soak up substances such as nail polish that are applied to their surface. The danger with keeping your nail polish on too long is that the pigment in the nail polish can soak into the top few layers of the nail and dry it out. When that happens, fungus, yeast, bacteria, mold, and mildew can develop underneath the nail plate. Hmm, lovely. Great news. <laughs> Great news. I'm taking my polish off today. <laughs> I, I, this was news to me. I have literally never considered what the polish is doing to me. I, I mean, I know that sounds so absurd and like uh, I am doing a poor job taking care of my nails. I've just never thought about it. Okay. Well, so this, this article I'm reading from the Cleveland Clinic has some suggestions. Do you want to hear them? Yes, yes, yes. So it turns out the same permeability that created the stain can help to ease it as well. And this doctor advises applying vitamin E oil or coconut oil to the nail and nail bed underneath the nail where it meets the skin and gently rubbing it in when you do not have nail polish on. Okay. So tonight I begin oiling my toes. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you remove your toe polish and your toenails are stained, you can tell if the stain is from polish if you see your natural pink nail color grow out from the cuticle. The stain should fade slightly over time and eventually grow out. All right. 
and it they recommend against using nail polish during the grow out period. Oh no, I am now um fully in grow out nail toenail mode. Like I am I'm going to use this time to really work on my feet. Great. I think this you is great for you. You know, I maybe this is like exposure therapy where I have to look at, at my feet and like do stuff to them and maybe I'll learn to love feet. But I, <sighs> I would love any like listener recommendations for foot products. I will not do a baby feet foot mask. That is that's not in the cards for me. But please give me all your toenail fixing advice. I also like I had a I had massive calluses from running and I scraped those off recently because I don't really run anymore. Mm. And that was also nice. Like it was a lot. It was a lot. It was like mm-hmm. a years, years of buildup. So I don't know. Maybe this is when I, I really um, I do some work around my relationship with toes. I am so into this for you. Oh, God. Thanks, because <laughs> I feel like this is really going to pay dividends. Are you still using your yoga toes? No, I like look at them at night and then I'm like, I don't feel like doing this. I just want to get into bed. Mm. I don't I don't understand what yoga toes does for me. Like, what is it? What is it? What is it going to do? What is the promise of yoga toes? It like stretches and separates your toes. So it it I think it just like makes your feet healthier. All right. I should do it. I mean, I don't have any good excuse. Like, it relaxes your relaxes your muscles. Okay, that is good. I do it get claims cramping. it increases circulation. Great. You know, I could just be wearing them right now while we podcast. Maybe I'll try that. Oh, next time. should we both wear yoga toes while we podcast? Yes, let's do it. Do you want to do it for the next main episode or the main yes. episode we're recording? Okay, next week, you and I are committing to yoga toesing for as long as we can during an episode okay you you might have to remind me that's fine we'll make a note of it okay i feel like sam our project manager will also be on it so okay great thank you we've got this we've got this (laughs) yoga toes next week why not and we'll see how long we can last because i can't hang more than like 10 minutes in those yoga toes yeah you're supposed to like build up are you at like an hour no because i don't like I wear them, I put them on at night when I'm writing in my my one line a day journal and then in my regular journal. And sometimes I'll keep them on if I'm like reading a bit, but like I don't find them very comfortable to lie down in. So yeah. so if I want to like really relax, I just take them off. I get like a strange claustrophobic feeling every time I put them on. I don't know. Oh, how to interesting. It. Yeah. You know, though, I like the idea of oiling my toenails because I have been oiling my fingernails, just trying to give them some some love yeah especially because i'm moisturizing my hands every two seconds yeah Um, so i'm in i'm into this oiling yeah i'm gonna i should do it too i need to take this nail polish off take that nail polish off and see what lies underneath yes i gotta just take it off how have we never talked about this before like i i honestly cannot believe that dark nail polish is bad for your toenail I, i had no idea yeah. The last time I got a pedicure, the the person, or no, two times ago, the person was like, you know, you really should not be. If, if, he was basically like, if you're going to get dark polish on your toenails, you need to take it off after two weeks. Which, of oh, course, I've boy. not done. No, I leave it on for like years. Yeah. You so. let it grow out and then you like chuckle at the growth and then you're like, yeah, oh, my nails are like, they're like clothespins now, and then you have to cut yep. them all off. Yep. Oh, I've done all okay. those things. All right. Well, foot care. Look, I do think foot care is really important. And I also like just the simple act of rolling out the bottom of my foot on like a little ball, I think is really key. You know, like I mm-hmm. I was suffering from, I forget what it's called, but massive cramping in my feet for like the first year after my second child was born. Mm. And learning how to really like take care of the muscles in my feet was fascinating. Go on. I, I just, it was, I had just, you know how like there are parts of your body that you're used to hurting? Yes. Like, oh, my lower back always hurts or like, oh, I always have ankle pain. Like that's just my lot in life. Well, yes. bottom of the foot pain was mm. not something I had ever even considered. Mm. And I have had to, you know, like doing actual stretching in your feet is very key. Let's, let's, let's get into feet. You know what? 
Kate, maybe, you know what? I've been waiting for this. <laughs> maybe self-isolation has really made me lose it because I want to get into feet. And I Great. hate them so much. I am I am ready for this. I'm here for this. Let's do this. Well, also, you know, there is a weird thing about polish, and I don't feel this as much on my hands, but when I get my nails done a lot, I feel this way where I then like I can't even look at my feet without nail polish on. Like it feels they feel really weird and do you find do you find this like you get so accustomed to having a i kind of broke i broke myself of that for my fingers but i definitely do feel that still on my toes yeah it's really hard i can't remember the last time i had bare toes it's gonna be a whole new world well i'm ready to get into it the nice thing is i don't see anybody right now so You know, I can really experiment <laughs> uh, without exactly. having to, uh, to show off the goods, as you will. Uh, yes, and I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love to hear suggestions for you and just like general suggestions for foot care from people. Talk to me how you take care of your feet. Wait, I said that wrong. Talk to me about how you take care of your feet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you care for them? What how? do you do? What? And, you know, if someone has a convincing argument in favor of the baby feet foot mask, I'd love to hear it. It just, it seems like it removes a lot of like calluses that you might want. And also the process seems pretty gross. I have never been, that has never appealed to me. Well, soft feet seem like counterintuitive to me. Like you want your feet to be, the skin on your feet to be firm. Right? Like, yeah, I that's want a good soft that's, feet. That's a good point. That is a really good point. But now, of course, I'm Googling baby foot exfoliation foot peel. So, <laughs> so talk to me if you've done this. <gasps> how do you take care of your muscles, your bones, foot Everything. health? Let's get Everything. into foot health. And look, if you have a comfortable shoe you want to recommend, I'm open to hearing that too. Remember, Dory had to have shoes with wide toe boxes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I haven't really been wearing them that much because, like, I I don't wear shoes that much. Um, Did you ever land on a wide toe box shoe? I bought a pair of limbs. And I like them. I don't love them. Okay. But I wonder if they need to be worn in a little bit. And I just haven't, like, had occasion to order them. Um but yeah well again i welcome any uh orthopedic shoe recommendations as well <laughs> i do too oh dory yes kate should, should we take a little break here let's let's do that because when we come back oh my gosh we are talking to i mean definitely the most accomplished the oldest and the most iconic the most iconic guest we've ever had secretary of state madeline albright and can i just say we were both nervous for this interview excited i started to get choked up at the beginning of it mm-hmm. because it was just so thrilling to get to yeah, speak yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. madam secretary i mean it yeah. was just it was really amazing and she was just so delightful to get to talk to so this was really uh this was a fun one for us yeah so we hope you enjoy it too all right be right back one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare. that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. 
The superpower short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Okay, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the US and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be Redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one -on -one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got what? to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, mm -hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic 
whether it's winter or, or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Our guest today is Madeline Albright. Um, you may know her as the former Secretary of State, uh, but she is also a professor, author, diplomat, and businesswoman. In 1997, she was named the first female Secretary of State and became, at that time, the highest-ranking woman in the history of U.S. government. From 1993 to 1997, Dr. Albright served as the U.S. Permanent Representative to the United Nations and was a member of the President's Cabinet. She is a professor in the practice of diplomacy at the Georgetown University School of Foreign Service. Dr. Albright is chair of Albright Stonebridge Group, a global strategy firm, and chair of Albright Capital Management, LLC, an investment advisory firm focused on emerging markets. She also chairs the National Democratic Institute, serves as the president of the Truman Scholarship Foundation, and is a member of the U.S. Defense Department's Defense Policy Board. And in 2012, she was chosen by President Obama to receive the nation's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, in recognition of her contributions to international peace and democracy. You are definitely the most accomplished guest we've ever had on Forever 35. Very happy to have you. Thank you very much. Thanks for the nice introduction. Yeah. Um, And by the way, I'm Dory, and um, this is my co-host, Kate. Hi there. Hello. Hello. Um, Dory, can we start with my, my first question that I had? We may. Okay. So, Secretary Albright, in the preface of your book, um, I love the, how you describe what's next as a favorite question to ask yourself and one that you asked as you ended your tenure as Secretary of State. And you also wrote in the first chapter, um, and I should we should specify your new book is Hell and Other Destinations. And that is the wonderful book I'm referring to. Yes. Um, you said that you intended on making the stage of your life after being Secretary of State even more interesting than your last and that you said hell yes to everything. And we'd love to know what advice you have for women who feel like it's too late for them to try something new, they're too scared to take a risk or forge a new path, whether it be personal or professional. Well, I actually think it's never too late. Um, and I frankly trying to prove that, but basically I do think that women, um, can and should see their life coming in segments. Some of it, um, due to biology. Uh, and kind of dividing things up and that women can do everything. It just doesn't have to all be at the same time. And I do think that we are very hard on each other and very hard on ourselves. And so, um, I'm trying to show that you, I've had moments like that, but that I decided that, uh, I would always be curious, uh, and that I would, uh, make a difference that uh, is something that I wanted to do and that I would, uh, not be afraid to try new things. That kind of reminds me of what you wrote about in your memoirs about the end of your marriage. Um, and in this book, you write something that really struck a chord with both of us, which is the word I began to assume a deeper, richer shape. Can you speak about this experience, especially for listeners who may be experiencing the end of a marriage or relationship? Well, it's interesting because um, it's something that became very clear all of a sudden that everything that I'd been doing was we. Um, mm. I um, had gone to college. I got uh, very, uh, you know, one of the things that I've talked about in my book and also was that having gone to a women's college and we had a 
um, commencement speaker, the Secretary of Defense at the time, because his daughter was in our class. And we kind of remember his uh, commencement speech slightly differently in words, but it, the gist was, your main responsibility is to get married and raise children. Um, and so I waited a long time to get married, three days after graduation. Um, and I had been we for a long time because I'd been, um, there was this term in those days, pinned uh, for by my husband who, or my about-to-be husband, as a fraternity pin and then engaged. And I started the we business a very long time in terms of always thinking of decisions about uh, how we would do things and um, what we ate and what we did. And all of a sudden, uh, I was an I. And uh, it was strange because basically it seemed very self-centered, but it was important to begin to think of what I needed to do in order to move forward and um, be a good mother. So um, I all of a sudden, I, I, and uh, it makes a difference. And I think that this probably happens to many women is to think about what you want to do uh, in terms of your um, uh, does not, I mean, your, your vocation or your thoughts or your desires to make a difference or any number of reasons and that we can be eyes. Uh, and it is something that is not bad to be. It's essential, actually, in many ways. You do write a lot about friendship um, in your book. And it's also a topic that comes up on our show. And I guess we're wondering, like, you know, you, you've had this one best friend um, from the time you were in college, I guess two best friends. Um, and how do you maintain those friendships? And how do you cut ties with toxic friends? Well, I tell you, I mean, one especially, um, Winnie Freund, was somebody that it turns out we had even gone to grade school together. Um, and we uh, kind of reacquainted ourselves with each other at Wellesley because we were sitting next to each other in class. And then we have been friends ever since because of um, not just where we lived near each other, because for a certain stage we did, uh, but mainly because we have a lot in common. We uh, try to help each other. And it's just an incredible relationship. And we have stayed in touch um, either by doing things together. And um, I've, I talked in my book about doing something at Wellesley, which is uh, an institute that uh, Winnie helped me, continues to help me with, but we travel together, but we also talk on the phone uh, and share a lot of thoughts very quickly. And it does require, I think friendship um, doesn't just happen automatically. It needs something where you care about it and you, um, and you really do uh, cherish it in a way that, that you uh, reach out and you're happy to be reached out to, frankly. How do you deal with with toxic friends? Have you ever had to cut ties with people or or end a relationship that wasn't working for you as a friendship? Um, well, there are people that it becomes very clear <clears throat> that uh, they really only want to be friends at a particular time in your life when uh, they can use the friendship. And so you just kind of uh, um, are very uh, quick in phone calls or just decide that um, I don't think I've ever kind of said to somebody, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. It's just something um, that happens by virtue of being the opposite of not staying in touch <clears throat> and thinking <clears throat> that it's not worth reaching out. Um, and so it, uh, but I haven't done it very often uh, because one of the things in my life uh, <clears throat> when you do have to spend a lot of time with people that, um, are part of your life in terms of uh, whether it's on a board or in business or or whatever. And so um, not every, there's a difference between an acquaintance and a friend. Um, and there's certainly, I've got an awful lot of acquaintances and I do truly do believe in friendship and the importance of those relationships. My whole life in many ways is based on relationships. And one of the issues at this moment, I have to tell you, I'm an extrovert. I really love being with people and I'm trying to learn to be an introvert, not doing very well. Uh, but I have spent a lot of time zooming, uh, and talking on the phone and, uh, doing various ways to, uh, connect in uh, what I would say is a modern or, or a way, you know, techie. 
It's interesting you mentioned that because the the pandemic, I'm also an extrovert and it really is challenging not getting to make contact with people and it kind of zaps something in your soul. The part that's weird, and I don't know whether you have this experience, I have been doing a lot of Zooming uh, and I teach via Zoom and you can actually see the people, but you don't get what an extrovert needs are the vibes, you know, and the energy that you get from being with people. So uh, it's an act of will, I think. And one of the things that I've learned, um, and and in my book, I really did make some comparisons about uh, or talk about what it was like to be a child during World War II in England. Uh, and I was just a little girl, but uh, I'd now think about what my parents did, which was they had no control over whether the Germans were bombing. The only thing they had control over <clears throat> was their mood. And I think now we don't have any control over the virus. The only thing that we have control over is our mood. So that's what I work on. We were thinking about um, the pandemic with regards to your routine because you describe in your book that you have this very dedicated exercise routine where you get up very early and you've been doing this for 20 years and you go on to describe your affinity for routine. Um, and we'd like to know what, why do you find consistency like this enhances your well-being and has having this routine helped during the global pandemic or has it been kind of disorienting to not be able to follow your regular routine? Well, what is interesting is um, I found this wonderful trainer and I have spent a lot of time with her in a routine, Margot Carper. And so uh, it is has been part of my routine. We are not doing that now. I have been trying. I, in fact, I just got off the treadmill uh, and I have been trying to do a variety of exercises. but. Um, I'm not as good at it as I should be, but I do know it's essential and especially given uh, my age and what's going on. So I'm trying, but I'm not as good about it. And routines really do help. You, you share this story, I think it's at the beginning of your book, and it's just a very quick anecdote, but I highlighted it and circled it with like three exclamation points. And you share this story about a woman who told you that you were, quote, brave for not getting a facelift. Um, oh. And you, you, share, you share a hilarious retort, which was <laughs> that you wanted to say to her that she was brave for going out with whatever surgical work she had done, which really made me chuckle. But could you, could you kind of speak to the unwinnable standards of beauty that get placed upon women, especially women who are in the public eye? I, I have to say that one of the reasons I told that story and others is that I think often what happens is people are trying to say something nice and it doesn't come out that way. So there are times when I've been with somebody who says, you remind me of my grandmother. She's 106 or whatever. Um, but this particular story was by somebody um, in a uh, where people had actually had a lot of work on their faces. and. So at a cocktail party, she looked at me and said, you're um, really brave not to have had a facelift. Uh, and um, and I thought, hmm, I actually didn't know what to say right off uh, the bat. Um, and it was only later that I thought of kind of ret- uh, rhetorical ways of answering it because I was so taken aback that somebody would say that. I do think that uh, we do put an awful lot of emphasis on how people look and looking young when um, you're way past that. Um, and I think that one of the things, if if one can see some good to what is going on now, is I think that people are thinking about their relationships with people, what's really important to them, um, whether having wrinkles uh, when you're socially distancing doesn't seem to make much difference or, um, you know, dealing with a terrible um, uh, virus. Um, and, and I think that I have a very strange thing to say. I was just watching television with a lot of, um, nurses and people who have been on the front lines and how brave they are. And they, there were a lot of pictures of them without their masks on. And they all have new lines on their face, which is from the masks. And I think it will be a, a sign of honor that people that, uh, have given so much to us. Um, so it was just a thought I had that 
this was a wrinkle that was very well earned. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. Um, you mentioned being on the treadmill, um, but I'm, I'm wondering what some of your other kind of everyday self-care routines or practices are. Well, um, I uh, uh, don't have a lot. I mean, I do um, fix my face and put some cream on and things. Uh, I try very hard to uh, look decent. I, and one of the routines, frankly, I, one of the things that, that had never occurred to me was that I would ever care about my clothes. But when I went to the United Nations, uh, Jean Kirkpatrick, who had uh, preceded me there, and we got to be friends, and she said, Madeline, you have to get rid of your clothes and go buy some new clothes, which was a great uh, uh, suggestion and an excuse. And so I do like to get dressed up and I like to uh, think about what I'm wearing. And and I think that uh, what I miss now is I don't have to do that, but I have decided that I am going to look decent every day and that it does make a mm-hmm. difference in terms of how you feel about yourself. And then, of course, I have this whole thing with my pins. And so that gives me uh, some fun in thinking about what I'm going to wear or do. Yeah, your pins have been, I mean, an incredible topic for your your whole professional career. And I was wondering, is, do you consider that part of kind of your self-care practice in terms of making the choice of which pin to wear or what kind of message you want to send with each pin or even just, just the act, the recurring act of doing it? Well, it has gotten to be that way. So um, I think the part that, um, um, I don't know whether you know the whole story, but what really did happen, I do like jewelry. And I get to the United Nations and I was what's known as an instructed ambassador. And the problem was that after the Gulf War, the ceasefire was translated into a series of sanctions resolutions. And my instructions were to make sure the sanctions stayed on. And so I said <clears throat> terrible things about Saddam Hussein all the time, which he deserved because he'd invaded Kuwait. And all of a sudden, there was a poem in the papers in Baghdad comparing me to many things, but among them an unparalleled serpent. So I had a snake pin and I wore it when we talked about Iraq. And so then all of a sudden, um, it kind of got to be fun in thinking uh, that uh, I would wear pins in order to signal <clears throat> what I thought we were going to do on any given day. So on good days, I wore flowers and butterflies and balloons. And on bad days, a lot of carnivorous animals and spiders and things. And so then what happened was that people got very used to seeing me with pins. <clears throat> now what has happened is when I don't wear a pin, like when I'm exercising, for instance, um, people say, why aren't you wearing a pin? And so it has gotten to be much more of a, a game of choosing what I'm going to wear uh, when. And um, and then uh, I have, uh, there's a pin collection of everything, which have the foreign policy stories, but that's uh, has been traveling around the United States. So I had to start all over. Uh, and so I, I do have fun in terms of figuring out what I'm going to wear. And it's somewhat embarrassing to think that I actually spend time thinking about what am I going to say today with my pins. I think it's pretty awesome. Honestly, I don't think it's embarrassing at all. I think it's it's such a fu- it, fashion is so fun, but there's also so many important messages that can come out of it. I think it's really brilliant. Well, I turned it into a diplomatic tool. Um have a lot of funny stories with that. and But the thing that is really funny now is what I love, given the extrovert thing, uh, when people come up to me, whether when we used to go to airports and uh, or out in public and say, why are you wearing that pin today? And so it has become kind of a, a conversation opener, which uh, I appreciate. Do you have one on right at this moment? Well, I have a pin which is um, that I've chosen uh, for talking about the book. And that is that uh, it is since I have done some comparisons to World War II uh, and my father was on BBC. I, when I was a little girl, I listened to BBC during the war and they would start with Beethoven's fifth uh, and which they would go da, 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 dum, which in Morse code is victory. Mm -hmm. And I have been wearing a V pin. Uh, throughout 
the the book tour. Um, I was when I was thinking about what I was going to wear before the whole victory thing came up and the virus, because I don't write about the virus, but since it's now a major subject, I was going to wear a devil pin uh, that went with the hell theme. But uh, the V for victory uh, against the virus is what I'm doing now. Oh, I love that. Um, you, you've given dozens of commencement speeches over the years, and this year it looks like most commencements will be canceled or at least like very scaled down. And so we were just kind of wondering, like, what would you like to tell the class of 2020 um, if you were going to be giving a commencement speech now? Yeah. Well, first of all, I have to say that I, I wouldn't say this to them, but I feel badly for them because commencements are fun and great and it's something you look forward to and so this class is never going to forget that they didn't that they weren't able to have that commencement but i would say something to them which is that they better than uh most uh, generations are prepared to deal with something very new that they are uh very uh competent more than competent in dealing uh with technology uh, they know how to, you know, we've made kind of fun of them for being online all the time or not being social or not caring about privacy, but they are ahead of things. And I have loved teaching uh, that I've done recently by Zoom. And I was stunned at how creative um, the students were. I also am one of the hard parts about any commencement speech is how you lay a lot of uh, responsibilities on the graduating class. But in many ways, they are the ones that are going to make the difference in the 21st century uh, because of their knowledge and their capabilities. And, and I would say to them that democracy is not a spectator sport, that they do have to contribute and be a part of things, um, which I think they have been. And they need to be known that uh, people my age uh, learn from them. I have the... Uh, the older I get, you know, obviously the younger are my teachers, which is something that Robert Frost said. So uh, I do think that I would be very positive, uh, but I would lay responsibilities on them because they are going to have to live in a totally different world from uh, where we have been. I wanted to ask you about a moment you share in your book in which you discover your maternal grandmother's journals. Um, it's incredibly moving and you then go on to share her writing at the at the end of the book which is just like such a poignant i have chills actually talking about it now it's such a poignant way to to end to end this book um could you speak about that a little bit and, and what it was like for you to discover her writing um and it was fa fairly recently that that's that this happened well i'll tell you i mean it, it's part of a of a longer discovery issue um, I, when I became, uh, ambassador to the United Nations, I started getting letters from a lot of people, uh, saying that, um, when, where the facts were all wrong, but saying that they were relatives, um, and, uh, they needed a visa or, uh, money, uh, but they had the villages that my family came from wrong and the age and somebody who wrote said they'd gone to high school with my father in 1915, which would have been impossible since he was born in 1909. So I ignored a lot of the letters. And just as I was um, being vetted to be secretary of state, I got a letter from somebody that had all the um, facts right um, and said what had been hinted in some of the other letters <clears throat> that uh, my, uh, that I was of Jewish origin. And so what happened was that I then, uh, I had just become Secretary of State, and uh, it was very, there was somebody who wrote um, a, an article about me and my Jewish background. And so that was actually a, a revelation to me. Um, and I had known after the war, when we came back, because I had, my parents had, my father was with the government in exile in London. Uh, and we came back and for me, I had, uh, have pictures of myself with my grandmother, but I was two years old and I certainly didn't remember her. And I kind of don't even remember asking, but I think later I, when we talked about other people had grandparents that I didn't have grandparents because they had been old and they had died. So, uh, what happened was 
when uh, we when I lived in Washington, my father died. My mother came to live here and she brought a lot of his stuff. And then she died and all the papers and stuff were transferred to me. And they were in my garage and in my basement. And then I uh, become an official that has to have security. And so the security people moved into my garage and we moved all these papers to a, a, a storage unit. So in like 2015, 2016, I was there looking just generally through things. And all of a sudden in a worn out envelope, I found this journal and it was written in Czech. Um, and it was from my grandmother to my mother who was in London. And it was describing, uh, what she was going through in this small town in Czechoslovakia, um, in terms of her daily life when, um, uh, she wrote, there's one passage where she said, all of a sudden we've been divided into Aryans and non-Aryans and various uh, uh, ways that Jews weren't able to go to, to other parts of the town or go shopping. But most of it was very kind of, uh, it starts out with her saying that she wanted to let my mother know what kinds of things were going on at the time uh, where she was. And a lot of it, is just uh, in some ways I describe it in the book as a as a message in a bottle, uh, and uh, it really it was fascinating. I couldn't believe it, frankly, as I was reading it, in terms of her descriptions of what went on, um, and and it ends. The reason I wanted it in the in the book is because it is a message in a bottle, and it is one generation talking to another um, and uh, sharing. Uh, it, not only experiences, but a kind of hope that I think is very important. The part that really blew my mind was that she was not old when she was taken to a concentration camp. She was 54 years old. Um, and so uh, I have spent time trying to put the story together of what happened to a large number of my relatives. And not long ago with my children and grandchildren, we went to this concentration camp in, in the Czech Republic, Terezin, where we dedicated a, pack, a plaque to the 26 members of my family that died in the Holocaust. Wow. That, is, that must have been incredibly moving. Um, well, the whole, and, and finding this, this diary, this journal, um, has been um, a, a very concrete sign of things, uh, of learning things about one's past, but the message in the bottle part and, and the hope, you know, uh, when we see each other or, or if we don't so that you know what I've done. Um, and, uh, and there, the part that's hard is there are a lot of little references to me. Um, mm, yeah, I must be a very cute little girl or whatever, but and anyway, uh, very, very moving. Well, I, I love that because you do talk about divine spark and why um, gratitude is a reason for for prayer. You believe? Um, could you tell us a little bit about, more about divine spark and also just what gives gives you hope? Well, I I do think that you know I I uh, kind of kid about this that I was raised a Catholic, married an Episcopalian, and found out I was Jewish, and so I can have my interreligious discussions. Um, but I really do think that. Uh, it is, uh, important to understand, uh, what we're supposed to be doing on earth and the divine spark and, and having a reason for doing things in terms of making sure that others are taken care of and that there is community, um, in understanding, uh, what we are supposed to be doing and, and having a goal and, and having a sense that, um, we aren't here just as an accident that, uh, mm are expected to play active roles. Well, that seems like a really nice note to end on. It was such a pleasure getting to talk to you. And your book is Hell and Other Destinations, and it is available now. And Kate and I both loved it. So everyone should read it. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it, and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning, 
in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay. Well, Dory, I, I just want to reiterate how much we absolutely loved talking to Secretary Albright. That was just... Uh, yes. It was what cool. A, what a... What a... What a wonderful like opportunity. I don't know. It's just very cool to talk to her. And her her book is so inspirational because anytime I've ever felt like, oh, what am I doing with my life? Just her, the consistent way in which she keeps like digging further into who she is and what she's passionate yes. about is so inspiring. Well, and one other thing, and then we can move on. But one other thing that I also really like about her is I, I feel like she owns her mistakes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. And I, and I like that. I like that. I'm still learning how to do that. <laughs> I mean, aren't we all? I hope, yeah. I mean, that's true. So Dory. Yes. Talk to me about cream puffs. Cream puffs. Well, last, last week, you... week, my intention was to actually make the cream puffs that I learned about in the online baking class that I took. And guess what? I made the cream puffs. And how did they taste? They were delicious. Ooh. They were a little lopsided, but they but were delicious. Lopsidedness doesn't affect the... Uh, my husband <laughs> says they were great. Your other taste tester. My other taste tester approved. Thank you, Matt. Um, I, I, needed, I needed some outside opinion. <laughs> and I also made gougeres, which are um, basically like cheese, little cheese puff things made with the same dough that you use for the cream puffs. And those were oh. also delicious. What kind of cheese do you use in a gougere? I used gruyere. Oh my God, that sounds so good. It was oh really, you know what? It was really good. I, know, I might take make one of more. these. I might take one of these classes. I highly recommend. I might try one. Okay. This is She so is cool. such a delight. And she just released a new schedule of classes on her website, ooh, Molly, mollyjwilk.com. And she's teaching like, like six or seven classes, each one with a different focus. 
So, I mean, that's so out of my comfort zone. I know it was out of your comfort zone. It was so I really um, very far outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, yes. So cool. Okay. Well, what is on uh, your whiteboard for this week? Well, you know, kind of like what I was talking about um, on for on here for you the other day. I want to exercise every day. I feel like I just feel so much better when I do it first thing in the morning. And I, I just need to like acknowledge that, come to terms with that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. make time for that, like work it into my schedule. Yeah. And make it and yeah. make it a make it a priority. You know, it was interesting at the start of this um home state safe so that I can't talk. Uh this what are we safe at home? Secure mm-hmm. at home, whatever we're doing, being at home. Safer at home? Uh, safer at home, thank you. I had to really work into like my family's brain that it from eight to nine, leave me alone. Monday yeah, through Friday. Yeah. And like even today one of my kids came out while I was exercising and I was like this is this is the only time I have to myself. I was kind of lost it, but I was like, please, I can talk to you in 30 minutes about if you can have gum. But right now, like I need the space. But like for the most part, it now has become like known in my home that this is my time. So I feel like you, you make it a you make it a routine. It starts to it starts to feel organic. Yes. Yes. What is on what is on tap for you this week and what what were you going to do last week? All right, last week I committed once again. I did a double like this was the second week in a row that I chose this for my intention, which was scheduling therapy. Okay. And guess who has therapy in 3 hours? That would be me. <gasps> that would be me. I did yes. it. Yes. I did it. So that felt awesome. I'm really excited to see my therapist and to get have a nice therapy session. Um, so this week, I'm kind of swapping intentions with you a little bit. I want to try to make my own pasta. Oh. You know, I've mentioned that I'm doing a little bit of panic shopping. And mm-hmm. one, thing I, one thing I panic shopped is uh, a pasta maker. Yeah. So that attaches to my KitchenAid mixer. Yep, yep, yep. You know, I do. The, I justify it by us by it being on sale, and I was like, I've always wanted to make my own pasta. Here we go. But one thing I was thinking about is that I'm in, I'm doing a lot of cooking with my kids as part of quote unquote school, and it has been really cool because they they are learning math by doing all the measuring, and mm. like we've we've been doing it a lot, and also then we make food that we get to eat and enjoy. So I thought it could be something that I do with my kids try to incorporate it as part of their like larger learning experience right now at home and also like tapping into my Italian roots, which is just becoming yes. more, and more important to me as I yes. get older. So I've never made my own pasta. I've never even understood how to do it, but I'm, you know what? I'm almost 41 and I think I'm ready. I'm, ready I'm to excited do it. for you. So hopefully this time next week, I will have made my own pasta. Do you know what kind of pasta you're going to make? No clue. Probably okay. uh, a basic linguine. I have to. I, I have sure. to actually open up the attachment and figure it out. I'm using um, a Marcella Hazan or Hazan. I'm, I'm not totally sure how to say her last name. Um, recipe for my pasta. I'm going to try out one of her recipes. And cool. Her yeah. So I will report back. Even if it's if I mess up, I'm sure it will still taste okay. Like I'm sure it'll still be yeah. Fun yeah. So there we go. Oh, I'm excited for you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end. Um, butt masks never 40, 35 forever. <laughs> butt masks never. Foot masks never. Ooh. 35 forever. Wow. And Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrier, and you, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. And Sam Reed is our project manager. We will um, talk to you very soon. Yeah, and we really thank you for listening. Yep. Bye. Bye.